Thank you for joining us on the Underdog Podcast, the place where we believe at one point in your life, you were an underdog and overcame adversity. And for that reason, we want to hear your story. I am your boy, Calvin Blackman. And I am Kyle Decker. This episode is powered by Crimcheck. Hey, Black, what's on your background? Skirt, skirt, squeaky clean. Mm, I don't know about that, but hey, everyone has a past. And while we aim to tell stories, we also know how important it is for employers to get the answers they need to make hiring decisions quickly, which is why we have partnered with a company called Crimcheck. They specialize in providing pre-employment screening and certified background checks. Don't be left in the dark. Contact Crimcheck today by going to crimcheck.net. Make sure to mention this ad to hear about their premier pricing solutions. In 2019, my hometown of Dayton, Ohio, made headlines not once but twice in national news for two horrific events. One of those being the shooting that took place in the Oregon District on August 4th, where nine people lost their lives and 27 others were injured, including our guest today. Not only is he known as the professional wrestler who goes by the name of Pitbull, but on that summer night in August, he put everything at risk to ensure the safety of thousands of others as he stood eye to eye with the active shooter before he could enter the infamous Dayton bar, Ned Peppers. Welcome to the UDP, Jeremy. Uh, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Glad you, uh, glad you could take some time uh, today, you know, during the holiday season to, to, uh, to sit with the, the UDP uh, and, and really talk about your journey. That's what we, what we like to do. Um, and typically, you know, we like to kind of jump right in to um, you really, you know, some of those low points. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, I know um, August 4th was, you know, probably one of the most probably extremely lowest points of your life. Um, but, you know, you were, as many people call a, a hero that night. Um, and so want to go back to, you know, August 4th and, um, you know, I guess the events that really led up to, you know, did that kind of start out as a normal night for you, uh, bouncing in Ed Peppers? Yeah. I mean, it was a normal night for, for everybody working. It was, it was busy, but you know, it just, some things seemed off that night. A lot of people were more moody than normal and just, you could feel it in the air. Something just wasn't right that night. And Unfortunately, we were right. Now, now take us, you know, off of that feeling. So that's like beginning of the night, kind of walk us up until, you know, then what, what occurred then shortly thereafter? I mean, we had people coming in and out, you know, all the bars, everybody, you know, one band, there's a band downtown playing and we just normally on those type of nights, nice night. You have a lot of people just walking around joking, having a good time, but a lot of people were out there arguing with each other and it just seemed something was off. And at uh, one point in time, were, we had a good sized line coming in and and uh, and everybody's showing IDs, coming in, having a good time. Then when everybody was in there, then the next thing you hear is a, a pop. And then quite a few more pops after that. And that's when you see people yelling and running and, um, that's when you, you notice if you looked over across the street at Blind Bob's, where the alley is, that's where it started. And he was walking across the street, just shooting at anything and everything he could that night. 
And my main objective was I was on the radio with the guys I work with at the hole in the wall, Aunt Ned's, let them know what I saw, which was an active shooter coming down the street. And um, we have protocols there where we, you know, we shut the bar down, get all the doors closed, get everybody down, away from the windows. Unfortunately, we got the hole in the wall nice, nice and tight, shut real quick. Ned's, on the other hand, was a little more difficult because I was more worried about getting people in because there was hundreds of people just running. And you, you could see people hitting the street, trying to hide, people covering up other people. And um, as he was coming down the street, I was just main concern was just try to get people inside. And I was grabbing people. Even had to stop a few people from trying to leave the bar. And I could see the muzzle of the gun, you know, lighting up. As he turned the corner, at that point in time, I was in the doorway. I had everybody out of the doorway and inside. And for some reason to this day, I don't know why, he just paused for a split second, looked at me, and I looked at him. And that's when the real heroes that night, Dayton Police Department, stepped in and was able to take him down completely. Okay. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I know how hard it is. So just to give a perspective, because I'm not from Dayton. I know Calvin is. Yeah. So Ned Peppers is downtown Dayton um, area in the bar district, Oregon bar district, right? Yes. And so the shooters coming, coming around. And so you see everything unfolding in front of you is what you're saying. And then as soon as he gets, because there's obviously that video where he can see you helping folks into Ned Peppers. Right. Yes. And then, uh, and so then they, as soon as he gets right almost to you, so were you actually, ta did you actually tackle him? That's what we we're talking no, about. No, so I you mean, didn't, you didn't tackle him. He, he kind of fell, no, he got shot right in front of you. He right? got shot right in front of me. And at one point in time, he was working his way back up as he was still being shot. Okay. Um, once he stopped, once all the gunfire, once he dropped his weapon himself down to the ground, he had his, his AR wrapped around his neck with a, you know, he was carrying it around his neck, his backpack. Once I saw he was on the ground, I I ran up to the door where he was laying at, and I just took the gun away, off of him, you know, and because we didn't know there was more than one shooter. Dayton right. didn't know. None of us knew. You don't know anything. Right? No, so I just started yelling at everybody inside the club. There's a video. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. You can see me with the gun in my hand, and I'm standing over top of him before the police even get there. Because they didn't, they didn't rush up right away. Because like I said, they had to make sure they were covered. And so when he was on the ground, they finally got up there. They handcuffed him, and I stood over top of him while they ran down the road looking for another active shooter. Wow. So now, once that, you know, now he's, you know, he's been apprehended or what or whatnot. Um, now you've got chaos in in Ned Peppers, correct? Yes. What what happens from from that point as far as because, I mean. It's chaos. Well, everybody on the inside, everybody was screaming, crying. I mean, for obvious good reasons. But if you look at our, our tiki bar, our gate was smashed down because everyone was trying to get out the back door. I mean, it was literally everyone running, and a lot of people ran literally out of their shoes. There were shoes left there, purses left behind, cell phones. You name it, people just, just ran. I mean... When it comes to, I, I can't imagine, 
you know, the, the fear and the terror that you're going through the, 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 I guess really just the unknown of, of what, what's, what, what is going on and, and, and what's happening. Cause I did see film, um, the video of the parking lot out back afterwards and people are screaming and they're arguing and people are wanting to go back in and find people. And it's just like, I, I just having, I haven't been the Ned Peppers in probably 15 years, but it still strikes you as it could have been anyone, you know? Yeah. That's just a lot of people's like, you know, I always thought the same way, you know, this is Dayton, Ohio. Nothing will ever happen here. We're, you know, Dayton police is always around, but unfortunately it happened there. Fortunate for us, there's no one in the bar that was shot just outside the bar in the streets. Um, Fortunate for everybody as well. I don't know if you guys knew this, but every single bar down there, Bob's, Trolley, Lucky's, The Hole in the Wall, Tumbleweed, uh, Newcombs, every bar employee there, they all came rushing out with T-shirts, bar towels, make their own tourniquets to try to help people, save people's lives. I mean, there was nurses that were, as customers, out there helping as much as possible. We all just... <laughs> try to do our part, try to save as many people we could. Just, you know. They do the best you can. Yeah, a lot of guys do the best they can. It's just some some of the people that you see get hurt, we actually knew personally, so. Right. Some of them that, that passed off, were, there was a few of them that were my friends, and two of the people that fell in front of me, they used to come there every single weekend. So I got to know them just through Nets. So. Now, how, you know, this was back in August and, you know, you've been, you know, you've been asked to do speak, uh, speeches or, you know, make guest appearance and different things. How has your life changed? Uh, I guess maybe even negatively and positively. I mean, it's for me, it's changed positively for me because I've always been that type of person to actually care for people. I mean, a lot of people think it's, it's a flight or fear mode. I've never once thought about running. I wanted to help, but now I want people to know that in our society, the way our society has gone up and down so much, we got to stop the hate. Right. There's just so much hate built up in people and anger built up in people. Even to this day there is, but we got to start treating each other the way we should be treating each other. We got to stop hating each other, yelling at each other, just start being humans to each other again. And that's, I've always tried to treat people the way I want to be treated, even if I'm not liked by you or if you hate me. But people need to realize st stuff that's happened, it's, you don't know what's going to happen. And that city of Dayton, the community there in Dayton, how they banded together, it's unbelievable. I wish a lot of people could just come down and meet people in Dayton now. You walk down to Oregon, you'll see people hugging each other, high five, laughing, having a good time. It's a big knit community down to Oregon. But the main message that people need to realize, we need to start being nice to each other. I mean, this hate and anger and fear we have about going out, having a good time, living our lives, it needs to stop. And you, because you've, I mean, you just talked about, you know, before we start recording, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that you, you know, you've you had the opportunity to go to Children's Hospital. And I think, you know, that's just to all of us, like there's, we all have things that we're going through, as we say a lot of times with a lot of our guests, but, 
for, to walk through Children's Hospital. And, you know, I have little kids, you know, and haven't been at Children's Hospital. My kids have, quote, unquote, minor injuries, you know, whether it's a sickness or something. But to be in Children's, you said you've seen kids with prosthetic legs, kids fighting yeah. cancer. It just puts it in perspective. I got to meet the one the one kid, I, Braxton, Braxton Wheeler. I mean, he can't can't speak. I mean, he makes noises and stuff like that. But he had a surgery done on his legs to try to help him walk because he's been in a wheelchair his whole life. And that kid to me was more stronger and more powerful than even myself or any other person I know. He was laughing, having a great time. He, I brought him my championship belt from NXT. He grabbed that belt, smiled. It made my whole day. And that little boy's got the heart of gold. Even though you're pit bull, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later, and you, you've been wrestling for 12 years and, you know, wrestling some of the most extreme matches, you know, it's I think it's humbling to sit here and, you know, to see the real side because, again, with wrestling, it is people, the perception they may have when they see you, but to, to listen to you talk and I think the genuine that comes from, you know, what you've gone through and, and how much you, like you said, you I mean, you keep it simple. We just need to get along better. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> to go off of that, to go off of both of your points is I was fortunate enough to be part of the tornado um, cleanup per se. And, and we had a couple events that we hosted, uh, down at, I think the Trotwood mall, right. Mm -hmm. Um, where we had our RV and different things that we just gave back. And just like you said, to see, unfortunately, sometimes it takes these events, uh, tragedies to kind of circle people around. I, I think the Dayton community was already strong, but now it's even stronger. And we saw it through those events and there's so much, there, there is a lot of uh, good people out there right that are but there's also a lot of people that need to you know wake up and 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 realize that life is short and, and to you know try to find that common respect for others but um to see the the passion of the community me not being from there obviously you guys are from there but to go in i tell people all the time um you know when we made those shirts and i wear it to this day i speak so highly upon the culture in the DNA of those that grow up in Dayton, Ohio. Um, you know, I give Calvin a hard time every, every episode he tries to put the nine, three, seven in and oh, I give him a hard time. <laughs> and, uh, but the honest truth of it is, is, is my experiences have been nothing but, you know, people that truly love each other. And I think it's a special place on this earth, um, that, you know, has even gotten closer since these events and, and for folks like yourself that are, willing to share your story, you know, that, you know, and relive, unfortunately, and I can see obviously, um, how hard it is, but for you to come on and, and be, um, sharing that to hopefully spread the message, like you said, of the good things that have now stemmed from it, um, is tremendous. So any other things that have, um, you know, I, I know you were talking about maybe some of the families of, you know, a mother might've called you or a, a one of the folks that just gave birth, some things yeah, like that. Um, I was, uh, I've been reached out by people who unfortunately were hurt that night. I've had dinners with quite a few of them and still keep in contact with all of them. Um, I did a Mick Foley show with him at Funny Bone. Former, and, former professional wrestler. Yeah, former professional. But um, it, was, it was a great time. He told a lot of good stories and, you know, things like that. He brought me up on stage and got to meet him and everybody else. I met him backstage. But there was this lady in the crowd as I was walking up to the stage. She gave me this big hug. She was real nice. I be honest with you, I know it sounds horrible. I can't even tell you her name. She didn't even tell me. 
she uh we asked her what her question was and um she says i don't have a question i have a statement and she says i want to tell you thank you for saving my daughter that night because of you i wouldn't have a grandchild and you know stuff like that it just even talking about still gives me goosebumps and because I don't consider myself a hero. I was just doing my job that night. Right. The true heroes are the Dayton Police Department, but to hear people come up to you and tell you thank you for this, thank you for saving my sister, my brother, it's very humbling because I don't think this has really done anything for me as changed who I was beforehand or I've always been that type of guy to try to help everybody I can, but the thing of it is, hearing it from other people hits harder than what people know. Because mm -hmm. like I said, I don't really think I did anything, but some of the people's stories that they tell you, it makes you grateful that I was there that night to help them. And I'm just grateful, you know, everybody was able to make it home except for those nine people. I would trade my spot for those nine sure. any point in time. Yeah, do you think you were to go off of that, do you think you were uh, put there for a reason? The, some of the people I've met, yeah, some of them tell me I was put there for a reason. I just, I was just grateful I could be there. Sure. I mean, it's, I wouldn't change it for the world. That's why I still work there. Okay. I still work there. I'm still going to continue to work there until I can't. It's, I look at Dayton as my home. Sure. It's the greatest, greatest well, city you. on earth. Thank you for being there that night and, and glad that you're still there, you know, welcoming people back into those doors. So how has, um, you know, things gone at Ned Peppers? I'm sure it's obviously been extremely hard, but how is, how are things progressing? Oh, we're picking back up. I mean, we're getting people coming back out and they stop at the door and tell me, thank you. They haven't been back since the shooting. And, and like I tell people, keep coming out. We can't live in fear. I mean, just granted what happened that night is horrible and it's, I wish it never happened. We all wish it never happened, but we can't sit at home living in fear. Hey, this could happen if I go out. Or yeah, we got one of the baddest dudes in front of Ned Peppers. So just got to keep I'll be, coming. I feel out. pretty good after seeing this guy here. <laughs> <laughs> Not only what he did, but shoot, he walked through the door and door. Now, now I know why he's called Pitbull. And turn sideways. Yeah, I might. I'll be running. <laughs> I mean, his pipe, his doors, are his his guns, are his those arms, man. I uh, just huge. I like to work out, I guess, but I mean, I, I, I like I said, I got my Dayton Strong shirt on, and love it. I love this shirt because you know the people at Heart Merchants—they were the ones that you know started selling them and everything. I mean, they're great people there, and for me, the community down there, starting with Heart, it's changed everything. Those people at Heart—they give back so much; it's unbelievable what they do. Yeah, that's great to hear. Once again, thank you for everything you did there. Let's kind of go back to um, maybe some of the, well, I guess let's say forward. Sorry, I'm all over the place here. I'm emotionally so uh, drawn in. It's just incredible. Once again, it's hard for me to even carry on with what you did and understanding it firsthand. So thank you again. Um, but the to some of the things that have happened after that are on the positive, you had the opportunity to go to NXT. And for those that don't know, that's a professional wrestling organization. And, um, you know, obviously you were on stage with, um, or on ring, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, but with Triple H, man, man. <laughs> you know, it's been a while since I, man I've seen wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a wrestling guru. So once again, from an outsider's perspective, that's a big deal. Can you kind of walk through what happened there? Um, 
I got a phone call from uh, you know, from from them. It's gonna sound horrible to say it like this. I thought it was a joke at first. I just hung up the phone. <laughs> Because I, I, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Why would WWE be calling me? I just, you know, hung up. Like, I'm too old to go there and wrestle. So I just hung up the phone. You're probably like, wow, this guy is Pitbull. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then I, then I get an email from another another wrestling organization say, hey, WWE is trying to reach out to you. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Then my, my one of my good friends, I uh, hope you guys don't mind, Sammy Callahan, TNA champ, he reached out to me. He goes, hey, look, it's true. They're trying to get a hold of you. <laughs> Will you mind not hanging up the phone and talk to these people? I was like, oh. It's like, I feel like a jerk now. So they called me a couple of days later, and I had to apologize. I said, no, we understand. You probably get a lot of different phone calls. Because, like, it was just a joke to me at first, you know, somebody trying to be funny. <laughs> so when I finally talked to them, they they booked me, and I went there. It was, as a, as a wrestler, the Performance Center was something I wish I could have trained at. It was unbelievable there. It was just awesome. And the people I met... All the NXT superstars, they're unbelievable. They took time to come talk to me and hang out. And Yeah, so they flew you down to Orlando where yes. the training facility is, and then you went to a match, correct? Yeah, I went to uh, their, their, their their match that night. Uh, not that night. I went to the performance center. Then the next day I went to their to their, their arena, the NXT arena, which you know was unbelievable. I never thought I'd ever go there because you know, it's in Orlando. And when I went there, the fans there were unbelievable. The fans, those are true diehard wrestling fans. And they welcomed everybody. Like when I was sitting there, they were so into the show. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So how many people, I don't even like said, I'm, I'm an outsider from a wrestling perspective. How many people in the arena? I don't, of, I don't know. It kind of take lot. us back to that moment. It, 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 Thousands of people. I mean, it's like a, like UD arena type deal. I, no, it's, it's smaller than that. Smaller I would say. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they do a lot of their TV tapings there, but it's, it's a good size. Okay. And every show they have, they're sold out. They were telling me when they put tickets on sale there, they sell out within minutes. Wow. So it is a big deal. Yeah. Vince McMahon cleaning up <clears throat> now. Uh, you mind telling the Shawn Michaels story? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, was, you know, I get to meet Shawn Michaels. I get to meet Road Dog. I mean, not Road Dog. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, actually, it was Road Dog. I'm so sorry. I do know Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Okay, he's been around right. for thirty years, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet all those guys. And was Goldberg there? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's the guy. I loved Goldberg. So sorry. He. They they put me in a, a gorilla pit, which you get you get to watch the end ring stuff was going on at the time, and they're like having me watch it with them. And hey, look, you know Jeremy Bo- Borash was sitting with Shawn Michaels, and Shawn's like, "Yeah, take a look, look what's going on." I'm like, yeah, I could be out front watching the same thing. What's going on? And they're sitting there just watching it, and all of a sudden Triple H starts talking about a date in Ohio. I looked at Shawn like, "What's going on?" He goes, "Oh, Triple H is in the ring." Yeah, Triple H is in the ring at the time. You know reading his speech he had wrote out and he goes oh we forgot to tell you you're going to the ring i was like um do what <laughs> he goes yeah we forgot to tell you you're going to the ring we just kind of want that to be a surprise for you. he goes don't worry i'll walk you out with you or something you know, you know him and jeremy borash they walk up to the where the entrance goes to the ring like, oh you got this have fun kid <laughs> i walk out and you know cameras are on you and everything i saw the video later you can tell i was nervous <laughs> even just to walk out there i was like what the hell's going on so I, I walk out there and get in the ring. And like I said, the fans, they were unbelievable. They showed, uh, you know, clips of what happened that night. And 
they showed the interview I did with, you know, NXT beforehand and those fans just started chanting my name and it was unbelievable. It was just very humbling to go out there and speak to, you know, Triple H, he reached out and stuff he said to me in the ring where people could hear. Then he probably gave me a three or four minute speech with no one could hear and stuff he said was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it hit hard. Wow. Yeah. Cross started chanting, you deserve it. Yeah. You watch, yeah. The video is definitely, it's definitely touching and, and yeah. emotional for sure to get that experience, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous as a long time wrestling I'm about to fan. run out my one year. <laughs> <laughs> my, you know, hit my arms. Let's do this thing. Jump on the top rope. Yeah. Who, who would you take, Blackman, Ganger or Decker? I mean, at the end of the day, he's, he's Hey, I thought we were workout partners. <laughs> Come on. It might, Black and it Decker. Might take both of us. And you're signing with a chair, Pitbull? chair, a table. Yeah, man. You know I'm I'm sneaky good. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, also, I know we uh, wanted to, you had mentioned some things, um, you know, kind of in the pre-notes that we had sent to you or whatnot. Um, and... Not knowing you, obviously, this is the first time we've met, and you know, you seem like just a, a tremendous guy, very level headed, you know, put others first, um, which I think are some great, great, strong, you know, characteristics and qualities in, in a person. Um, but you did mention that, uh, you know, early on when you were younger, that you were bullied um, and types, you know, what, you know, how did that, when, when were you bullied, and do you think, um, what part or what role did that play kind of into your personal development as, as into who you are today? Um, I was bullied as a, probably from starting at eight, nine years old. Cause you know, I came from a very poor family. We had four boys that lived there. My dad, my dad, he, you know, he worked and worked and still works to this day. He, he's a great man. My mom works. Um, mom's not able to work as much cause she was, you know, not to put her business out there, but she has brain cancer and they had to go in and remove half her, half her brain and all that good stuff. She's doing okay now, but my dad was a hard worker. I was bullied from all the way up to high school because uh, you see all these kids wearing these brand new clothes and brand new sneakers and we wore hand-me-downs. You know, my dad, my mom, they did their best and I, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be who I am today and I think that's what made me to who I am. Got me into the weightlifting, got me in playing football. Once you started playing football, you get to meet people that, you know, the bowling slowed down when I was probably 11th grade. So, and then my senior year in football, you know, it's completely stopped. And I was able to get a scholarship to play football in college and it made me to who I am now. Yeah. Now you have epilepsy, right? Yes, and so you have see you had your first first seizure at eighteen, or is that just one of the big ones that was uh, trying to tra kind of traumatic when you were in high school? My my first one was eighteen in Greenville, Ohio. Mm -hmm. We just lost, I believe, we lost that game. Uh, we were walking off the field when I was told I don't remember anything about when I was told I collapsed. Our strength coach, uh, when I was told by the doctor's notes and everything, unfortunately, I stopped breathing completely. After I, they said I went to a seizure for, I think it was five minutes, and I stopped breathing completely. So I got CPR done on me, mouth-to-mouth -mouth done. Woke up in the hospital with a tube in my mouth. So that's when I learned that I have grandma seizures. And when I have a seizure, they're, they're bad. 
So I haven't had any since August 4th, <laughs> luckily, but uh, yeah, they're bad. I had one. I had a grandma seizure. My, I had one and my one and only in uh, 2012. And, you know, uh, it's I was at a friend's house and I think I was down for about two minutes or so. Um, and when I came to, I just remember everyone standing over me like and I remember saying, what's going on? And they're like, are you all right? And obviously you have no memory. All I know is my friend, she put a bag of peas on the back of my neck, frozen peas. <laughs> and that's what brought me to. And then, and then he calls me up and comes stays at my house. I'm like, hey, you better not see him. <laughs> so yeah. I'm looking at both of you as your partners in crime because you know, you're his buddy now. He, you know, he said he's a better wrestler than me. She is, but yeah, don't go season out, okay? I think we're good. Yeah, so, definitely good. Yeah, yeah. It's not something you want. And, and he, like he just said, yeah, I mean, they told me I couldn't drive for, for so long and I was, you know, for work and not to go down that rabbit hole, but, you know, I stayed with him for two weeks, um, you know, to, and he kind of helped me kind of get through and helped me get back on my feet. So, again, for, like forever grateful for those types of things, man. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got diagnosed with it. I was told I would never be able to weight lift, wrestle, drive. Ha. So my goal was to prove everyone wrong. You did. So. Love it. Now, you're also, I know you talked about PTSD. So you're kind of battle. you're battling that as well. So. How are like, where is your support cast? Like, where is your, you know, who is that key person that's helping you continue to push through some of these or how are you getting through that as well? Um, the six gentlemen that were involved with shooting, I talked to, to them quite a bit, but I end up reaching out and getting help mm -hmm. from a therapist and I'm still seeing one, but the key is just, you know, my, mainly my friends down to Oregon are my main key components, people mm -hmm. I work with. I can, I'm able to talk to them and they're my key components. The, the main key component I have, I don't, I don't talk to her, talk to her anymore. She's always busy. She's working a lot, but it's, it's a upward battle for me every day. Cause I still dream every night of, I still have dreams every night of, of him, mm -hmm. of the gunman that night. And I still dream of him frequently a lot and they just, they weren't so bad, but now lately they've gotten worse. I think it's just because of the holidays, but yeah, they're getting worse. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, it's okay. It's like I said, I'm, I'm still here, but there's other people that were hurt, severely hurt and ones that, you know, aren't here now that have it a lot worse than I do. Sure. Sure. Well, um, obviously anything we can do from a UDP, I don't know how much help I can be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for you. Right. we're one family. Uh, definitely Dayton strong. Um, do you think kind of going back, kind of looping this all together, right? So um, kind of how we kind of did a reverse, we call it, you kind of take people through their journey, but we kind of did a reverse starting with, you know, the event and then building up your, you know, character and maybe the DNA that helped you create, you know, your, your, um, you know, brave, heroic, we believe, even though you say you're not a hero, we definitely believe you were, um, so being bullied, being a wrestler, all that mindset, like you said, has helped create, right. Being playing football, um, going through some of the things you have to persevere. So facing that gunman, do you believe all these things like the bully, the wrestling, all that stuff, your parents that kind of set you up for that moment? I, I, I think I believe it did. I mean, I don't know if you saw the meme about me on Facebook. No, I didn't see that. Um, it said, uh, how many guys, do you know, runs into our burning building, bleeds in the wrestling ring and stops the gunman. I mean, it, everybody always asked me about that meme. They're like, what's about the burning building part? Well, there's a, 
a big story behind the burning building part, but we got time because <laughs> you weren't, you, you grabbed the dog out of a burning building. 2016, right? uh, there's apartments right above the hole in the wall. It caught on fire around Halloween time. So Michael, the guy that lived there, it was his dog, a good friend of mine. And we knew he wasn't home, but he wasn't home. So we run upstairs and I opened the door and it's just flames, smoke going everywhere. And I didn't know if his dog was still there. I didn't know if his cat was still there. So I went in looking for his cat first. And somebody said his cat passed away. I was like, oh, okay. So I went back in looking for the dog. And the dog was laying in the bathroom where the fire was. Couldn't get out. You know, the dog was scared. I grabbed the dog, pulled the dog out through the the second door of the apartment complex. People were like, come on out, come out. I was like, no, I got to double check, make sure he's not home. So I shut the door. Locked the door and went right back through, make sure everybody was okay. And by the time I made it downstairs, the paramedic guys in the fire department, they're getting there. They start yelling, why are you in this building? And we're here now. I said, well, good. About time. The dog could have died by the time you guys got here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you just got to go do it, right? Yeah, I mean, pull the dog out. and They should have said thank you. Right. (laughs) They they did. They were just giving me a hard time because I know them too. And it's just... Like, right. Why'd you go back in? I was like, I didn't know if you had any more animals. Or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of talking off of not to get off too much subject here, but you talked a lot about the Dayton police in, in fire department. I think a good thing, obviously a lot of those departments from a country perspective have come under scrutiny. Kind of talk through your thoughts on how important, you know, police departments and in, in cities are and, and what you've seen and, and maybe something that you could, give the listener that might be judgmental on that uh, poli- like police department or these guys, everyone's got to remember the police department. They have a horrible job as it is. I mean, they're put on display to the public every single day. Mm-hmm. I know p- certain police officers that will go out of their way for the homeless in Dayton. They will bring them clothes, blankets, food, every Dayton police department member. They reach out and they, they do their best to help everyone they can. Same thing with the fire department. I've seen firefighters come down to Oregon with blankets just to give the homeless. I mean, they, they don't judge anybody and they help. And then I don't know if you guys saw there's a California officer. He got called to a DMV because I called for a disturbance. What it was, there's a lady that was, that was deaf, you know, and they were saying she was being argumentative and rude because she wouldn't speak. He went down and he knew sign language, took care of that, and even helped pay her bill. I've seen police officers go out of their way in the city of Dayton, buy meals for the homeless, buy meals for kids, Christmas and Thanksgiving. People need to realize these officers and the fire department, they have a rough enough job as it is. Treat them like people, like they like you treat your own family. Mm-hmm. If something happens, who's the first people you call? Right. You're not police calling your family, you're right. calling the police or the fire department. So need to realize these these guys and, and women they do their best jobs and they do amazing jobs and you got to get to know them personally and i personally feel since all this has happened i've seen a lot of people go up to the police department fire departments tell them thank you for their service we shouldn't need an incident like this to treat them like humans right they're there to do their jobs and they're there to help us and we should appreciate them no matter what they're doing amen my best friend's a cop, and he says that's one thing. He's never really touched on why he became a cop, but I overheard him a 
month or so ago, someone asked him why he wanted to be a cop. And he said, I just want people to know that, you know, there are good people who are cops and we are here to help. And I just want to be that one of those people that, you know, when I'm out in the community, like they know that I'm here for a good cause. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and I think you speak to that. And that's what everybody should realize. I mean, it's not just, I'm not a police officer, but I, I like to help people. And I've seen so many cops and that help people so much. I mean, I've seen, seen them go out of their way to help people. They do stuff that they don't need to do, or they, it's really part of their job, but they feel as humans, it's their job to help. And a lot of people just want to give them bad reps because you know, of what they see in the news. Right. That's news. Get to know the people first. Right. Right. A one, one instant. I mean, there's thousands and thousands. I mean, shoot, if they did that on any of us, right. I mean, we all make mistakes. Yeah, we I mean, all make. You're always going to see the bad side. You're never going to see right, the good side. Right, right. I mean, come on. You know, the news you know, does. Yeah, you get ten bad stories for one good one. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, not. I didn't want to get up. But I thought it was important to show the respect to those that are serving us and how great of a job they do do because most of the time it's the negative. So thank you for sharing your thoughts there. Let's go ahead as we kind of come to the conclusion. We always do a rapid fire session. <laughs> I don't think he's going to make your seat too hot. We've been trying to rev up the 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 heat levels of our hot seats, but it's getting um, warmer. Yeah, it's getting warmer, but uh Mr. Blackman, why don't you sh- cuz I'm an avid first. wrestling fan. So this may not appeal to everyone listening, but uh I think it also does talk a lot about kind of who you are. Um so First question, where does the name Pitbull come from, which is your ring name? It came from friends of mine that would always tell you that you can knock me down, you can hit me, you can smack me, put me down, but I always keep coming back. You trap me in a corner, I'll come out fighting. Which you have spoken to to that point uh, during this entire podcast. (laughs) I thought of something for Pitbull. This is not on our questionnaire. Who's better looking Pitbull? You or the other Pitbull? (laughs) <laughs> the other pit bull. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. He, I know that you would you beat him up or wrestle him or whatever. If you if you guys had to get in a in a in a, in a wrestling match, that would uh, yeah, you would take him down. Hey, we're gonna work on his wrestling. <laughs> All right. Well, when you come back for episode like one fifty, I'll have his wrestling lingo. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna be. He's gonna be gone. I'm gonna, he's gonna be fired by Maybe you. Be fired. Maybe not, you guys have me back. It's not gonna be Black and Decker. It's gonna be you know Decker and somebody. I don't know. Um, so people say wrestling is fake. I would like <laughs> you, for you to speak to that because, and the only reason I say that is because if you go to your social media um, and, and look your name up, there's pictures of your match. And I was showing my partner here um, a couple of your pictures when you were bloodied and he says, that's fake blood, right? Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's real blood. I mean... Some of the stuff you see on my social media, I got skewers that were literally put in my head. Wow. And I've been through light tubes, which one match alone, I I accumulated over 30 scars just on one match. Oh, my God. I went through light tubes, bob wire. That stuff isn't fake. Yeah. And the the blood is not fake. I got scars on my head. I've had surgery on my bicep when I ruptured that. Um, I've been hit hard. I've been split open. And no, it's... It's, it, my respect for uh, the the industry has gone up. I already respect it. He's making me sound terrible. No, I didn't. Do, I didn't. <laughs> I, mean, really, I knew you weren't disrespecting it. I mean, we 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 work our asses. I mean, sorry, we work yeah, our butts off. Yeah, you got it. We, you we, what you want? We we work we work our asses off. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's it's a hell of a show we put on for everybody from the indies all the way up to professional. It's none of it's fake. I mean, 
when's your next are you when's your next match i actually have a match coming up here soon but i'm not supposed to say it's okay. supposed to be a, a surprise so okay right. Right. the company called me so they don't want me to advertise uh, well, whenever all. if maybe we'll get off air we'll maybe tell us uh we need to he won't just tell be us. there yeah, he yeah. won't tell us. he won't tell oh, us. i'll tell you the company the might hear yeah 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 well um <laughs> i'd like to get to a match for sure um what is your worst i know you just talked about the bicep what is your worst injury is that your worst injury in wrestling mm-hmm. i would probably say the bicep when i ruptured my bicep in wrestling and also uh was that in the middle of a match yes oh so you had to keep going yes Mm. Oh, went over the top rope, and when I went to land on the apron, I missed the apron and snapped my arm, and I watched the bicep roll all the way up with my leg and it snapping back with it. Have you ever done like I, now? This is like me being like a cage match where you're like jumping off top of cages. Or have you ever done something like that? I've done three different cage matches, and I wasn't the one jumping off. The <laughs> other guys were. <laughs> I was the guy catching. <laughs> okay, yeah, I just remember seeing those like on pay per view or HP or whatever it was back in the day, like Mankind, right? That was a well, I mean, Mankind, Undertaker. That was one Undertaker. Of, yeah, one of the reasons right. why I love hardcore wrestling. So Mankind, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna school him here. So Mankind is the same person that he was talking about. Mick Foley that was on stage when the lady oh, made that's the same guy? Yeah, same guy. Oh, so he okay. now travels into oh, comedy. Oh, man, Mick Foley's yeah. a dude. Yeah, he's a good guy. Wow. Actually, very okay. laid-back individual. Really? Wow. So yeah, that comes full circle. So that's the guy. Yeah, that. so that. So that's real. Yeah, you can't fake that, right? This is not, now I think about it. No. That's, that's real blood. I just thought there was like something, I always think like Dumb and Dumber, it sounds ridiculous, <laughs> but when he fakes the cut on the neck and he has ketchup, ketchup packets, pack, yeah. I'm thinking you guys like throw, like there's something that someone slides you and you bash it on your head and all of a sudden it looks like you're bleeding no, everywhere that's I'm, real blood yeah it's i got scars on my forehead to prove it so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you get introduced to wrestling i got introduced to wrestling by the dave chris and jake chris um they're in tna known as ove uh they introduced me to cody hawk at when hwa was in glendale ohio okay. that's how i got introduced into it awesome Love it, man any other uh any other uh Hot seat questions? No, I want to see this uh, this belt that Triple H gave him that he brought Absolutely. along with him, though. I think that would be awesome. So, I mean, maybe we could do that off camera. But yeah, yeah. So there's a we're, we'll those that are listening will definitely take pictures of the belt. We'd love to see that. You know, we'll see it here shortly. But uh, is there anyone? Is there any way for them? Anyone that's listening that wants to engage with you or your story, a way to follow you online? Uh, they can. Anyone can hit me up online. I don't. I share stories and people want to talk to me about it. I have no problem talking. I don't really put so much stuff on social media. I'll talk people on people in person. I'll meet them up anywhere. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Which... I'll speak to that. Um, <clears throat> quick story was, you know, I had seen his, the, the video from um, WWE posted. And so um, I saw on Facebook with us both being from Dayton that we had 10 mutual friends. So reached out to one that I, um, that I thought would probably be able to help the most, which I went to high school with him. And he had said, you know, he had met you a couple of times and he said, just reach out. I'm sure he'll get back to you. He's a nice guy. And sure enough, I sent him a, a DM on Facebook and got right back to me the same day. So, you know, everything you're listening to, you know, this man say is genuine and true. So again, appreciate you definitely sharing your story. And, um, you know, unfortunately it is what it is, but I think, you know, if you're going to continue to share, you know, if anyone like Kyle just said, wants to reach out to you, uh, this man definitely is a man of his word and, and we'll, uh, we'll definitely re- we'll follow up. So, yeah. So on behalf of the UDP, myself and Calvin, thank you so much. Thanks for having you me. You are guys. a hero in our book. Yes, sir. 1000 
thousand percent, man. I appreciate and it. I won't beat you in that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll end with that. Thank you so much. All All right, right, thanks. thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.